Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Colts Authority Radio. I'm your host, Kyle Rodriguez, for episode three of Off-Season Audibles. Uh, today, we're talking about free agency. The free agent time period is coming up here at the end of the week uh, on the 7th. Teams will be able to talk to pending free agents officially. And then on the 10th, official deals will be able to be signed. And no co-host today, uh, no Greg Cowan because of illness. Uh, so it'll just be me here solo for a few minutes. And then I've, we've got a special guest, Pat Starr uh, of Scout.com's Texans blog, State of the Texans, will be joining me. Pat does a fantastic job. I've known him for a while now. Um, and he he knows the Texans inside and out. So we'll be talking to him about Andre Johnson, who is potentially going to be cut from the Texans or traded. Uh, rumor has it that he will not be back for 2015 and that he will be in a new, at a new team for the 2015 season. So the Colts were rumored to be potential targets, uh, trade partners with Texans for Andre Johnson. Uh, and he certainly seems to fit the bill as a Reggie Wayne replacement for 2015. Uh, but we'll talk to, talk to, Pat about this uh, in a few minutes here. All right. Uh, before that, though, we've got a few other rumors to just address to mention uh, before Pat comes on here in a few minutes. Uh, the Colts have been subjects of numerous rumors over the last week or so, and and that's going to happen whenever you are a top-tier team with oodles of cap space, which the Colts have for the third consecutive season. Now, there is one big difference, I think, this year for the Colts and their cap space as compared to the last couple of years, and that is there are a whole lot of teams with oodles of cap space in this season, and, there, and to match that, there are a whole lot of free agents. I, I think this is probably one of the deepest and most talented free agent classes that we've seen in a really long time. So while the Colts are gearing up to go on a free agent spending spree, there's also quite a bit of other teams that are looking to do the same thing. Uh, I'm trying to pull up the list now of, of current app space. Um, if you're just looking at spot rack or spot rack or over the cap, something like that, uh, you know, you've got at least eight teams over $40 million in cap space right now. Uh, the Colts right now currently sitting at under 44 million. Uh, that number could rise up to 50 million if they end up cutting Donald Thomas or Trent Richardson, both of which seem likely, but obviously not guaranteed. Um, the, uh, let's see who else is on this list. There's five teams with $50 million in cap space already, including the Eagles, Jets, Browns, Raiders, and Jaguars. Uh, and then the Bengals and Titans are the other two teams over 40 million. So you've got, <clears throat> Excuse me. You've got quite a bit uh, of top teams there, you know, in that top 10 teams or so in cap space that have, have a lot of moves to make. And when you look at this free agent class, obviously there are the guys that are going to take up that space. You've got Ndamukong Kung Su at the top of the list. You've got Devin McCourty uh, for safeties. You know, you've got the wide receivers. You've got Randall Cobb. You've got uh, Jeremy Macklin as well. 
I'm trying to pull up the free agent big board from Matt Miller at Bleacher Report. Uh, had a, a list of all of them. You just look at the, the top names. I mean, it is just ridiculous. You rarely see this kind of top talent make it to to the open market. Um, and even there were a couple of franchise tags that were used, obviously, with Des Bryant, Demarius Thomas, Justin Houston, uh, Jason Pierre-Paul, another one. So you've got even those guys who who still didn't make it to the open market. But, uh, you know, you look at this. I'm just looking at the, the guys he has graded over 90 uh, in his grades. Uh, let's see. We've got we've got Daryl Rivas. We've got. In Dalvin Kung Su, we've got Randall Cobb, Greg Hardy, uh, Jerry Hughes. Yes, Jerry Hughes. Uh, DeMarco Murray, Devin McCourty, Mike Ayupati, uh, Pernell McPhee, Brian Bulaga, Jeremy Macklin, Julius Thomas, uh, Rodney Hudson from the Chiefs, Terrence Knighton, uh, Jason Worlid, Worlds, uh, Tremont Williams of the Packers, Brian Arakpo, David Harris, that linebacker from the Jets. Uh, Brandon Graham, C.J. Spiller, Byron Maxwell of Seattle. I mean, there is just so many big names, and that's just uh, that's just the beginning. Um, you know, there's there's a really really deep class of free agents uh, on Matt Miller's uh, big board. Bleacher Report. Yeah, he's got a uh, hundred of them listed, and, and one of the 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 very bottom guys uh, is John Abraham, who's actually been a, a fairly productive pass rusher for the Cardinals. He's the very last one, and then Roy Hallou is is right above him. Uh, so you've got you know the very last two guys on this hundred man big board of free agents are one a pass catching running back, which a valuable piece, and then a, a older but still somewhat valuable pass rusher. So I mean that just kind of gives you a little bit of an idea of the depth in this class. Uh, but let's go ahead and talk about a few of these uh, rumors that the Colts have been in over the last week or so. Well, we've got a few minutes here. Uh, today, the biggest news coming out today, Thursday, uh, was from Bleacher Report again, Jason Cole, Bleacher Report, who's, who's been the source of a few of these. And I'm not sure exactly, I'm not sure honestly exactly how trustworthy that is, if it just means if, if he's talking about potential targets or if he's really hearing talks from people that, that these guys are, are really interested. I, it seems from the way he's wording his, his reports and some of these that, uh, that these are really, you know, sources saying, okay, these are guys that are, are interested in these these free agents. Uh, and if so, that's obviously big news. All right. So let's see a few of these reports. The big one today was that the Colts uh, are going to be top targets for both Ndamukong Su and Greg Hardy. Uh, both guys, neither guys are really ideal three, four fits, uh, which for me is kind of a flag, especially when you're looking at the kind of money that these guys are going to get, especially Sue. Uh, Hardy is going to be an interesting case because of his his off the field troubles, his legal issues going on right now. That could drive his price down a little bit. But still, he's a he's a four, three end, and I'm not sure he has quite the flexibility and the versatility to stand up and be a three, four pass rusher with the same kind of effectiveness, especially not with the same kind of effectiveness needed to to drop back uh, into the open field for for coverage purposes. Um, but that's that's a different story. So those two guys were were the news today. Um, but then you know you've got you at the same time today was also released from the Indy Star, Stephen Holder, that he doesn't think that the Colts are going to to be one of the main guys on on Dom Kung Su, again because of that four three fit. Um, I'm trying to pull up see if I can pull up the article here now. But Holder Holder basically said that uh, 
the Colts aren't sold on whether or not Sue can make that transition quickly. And and I've said this before. Uh, I've written it recently, and, and I've said it on the podcast. I think Sue absolutely has the talent to transcend scheme, and, and he would still be a good, impactful player in a 3-4. But the thing for me is that there would definitely still be a transition period. And when you're paying hundred potentially $125 million, $70 million guaranteed to a player, uh, you, you, you really can't wait on a transition period too long. Uh, it's for that kind of money. You want that impact to be quick and you want it to be a great, great impact. Um, Sue, I just don't know if he can be the same playmaker maybe eventually, but he definitely wouldn't be quite as quickly in Indianapolis. Um, granted, he's still a great player. And, and if he ends up being somebody that the Colts go after, we'll talk more about it then, but there is certainly some, some scheme issues between Sue and and Hardy as well. Uh, other guys that have been rumored for Indianapolis, uh, Indianapolis has been mentioned as trade partners, as I said earlier, with Houston for Andre Johnson, but also with Chicago, who's reportedly trying to move Brandon and Marshall. Uh, another veteran wide receiver, another guy who is more of a possession receiver, would be a big body in the red zone, really would fit the needs that the Colts have, those possession receivers, uh, guys who can be in red zone targets, uh, guys who can be kind of security blankets for Andrew Luck. I think either of those guys would be really good fits in Indianapolis. Both guys are expensive. Uh, Johnson would cost about $11 million in 2015 and about maybe 12 uh, in 2016. Brandon Marshall still has three years left on his contract. He's a little cheaper, but you're still looking at, at $8 million plus uh, for Brandon Marshall as well. All right. So with that, let me go ahead and uh, bring on our guest today. Pat Starr of Scout.com's State of the Texans blog. Uh, he I, has been covering the Texans for a few years now. He's been a guy that I uh, worked with before. Uh, does a really good job. So we're happy to have him on again today. Uh, Pat, thank you for coming on again. Really appreciate it. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. How y'all doing today? Pretty good. Uh, it's just me today. My co-host is uh, sick, so it's just me and you today. But uh, oh, we're looking work. forward to it. Uh, Pat, how long have you been you've been covering the Texans now? I know you guys got your blog picked up by Scout.com recently. Congratulations on that. I appreciate it. Uh, uh, we're pushing on. I think this will be our fourth season. So, but uh, like you said, we're we we get to we're one of the few lucky ones. We're credentialed, and we definitely get to go to everything they ask us to do. And so we try to do as much as we can to uh, cover the Texans a little bit differently than everybody else. And uh, as you know, the the past two, uh, the past three days or so have been <laughs> pretty eye opening for for the Texans fan base, and and obviously, you know, starting with Andre Johnson and Chris Myers, it's it's definitely a the new change of culture is definitely starting to take place. Absolutely, and uh, you know, to have you guys down there covering it and have a uh, kind of a different form of media in there and being credentialed. It's cool to see from an outside perspective. I uh, wish the Colts would uh, pick up on that a little bit, but hey, we'll, we'll uh, enjoy it for you guys anyway. Uh, Pat, for the Andre Johnson rumors, uh, is this pretty much a certainty at this point that he's he's going to be gone for 2015, whether it's a trade or a cut? Oh, without a doubt. he's uh, The time has come. Um, unfortunately, it, it's it's terrible how um, this has ended, um, you know, he's lined up at wide receiver for the last, where are we at? 2002, at, you know, the last 12 seasons, he's been starting since 2003. 
since he was the number thir- uh, three overall pick in the 2003 draft. He was the last remaining uh, figurehead of, of of what the Texans organization used to be. You know, uh, he was the one that a lot of fans, uh, you know, latched onto because, you know, he was here through all the tough times. He he was here through the through the three win seasons and and things like that. So it was um, it's definitely a a trying time on uh, if if there's real Texans fans or not. And, and as crazy as that might sound, uh, you find out that. And it might have happened with Peyton Manning uh, when when he left. Uh, there was probably a lot of heartbroken people, but luckily y'all got Andrew Luck to replace that pretty quick. But <laughs> you know, ultimately it, it, it's it's done. It's it, it's a done deal. Uh, this was brewing last year. Um, he missed the entire offseason workouts, and you know, as for much as Andre Johnson has done, uh, him not showing up to offseason workouts under Bill O'Brien probably set the ball in motion a little bit quicker. You know, they needed him there. They needed, you know, to make sure that he was bought in early and he wasn't. And ultimately, uh, his season was up and down. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins ended up uh, making bigger plays, even though that, um, you know, Andre Johnson was, you know, did start, you know, 15 games, 14 games last year. So it's definitely, it's one of those things that, uh, that, that stinks, but you understand it's part of the business. Uh, they save uh, a considerable amount against the cap, around $8 million. So it, it, it's going to work out for the best. And uh, Andre Johnson, uh, you know, the team did tell him to seek a trade or uh, he will be released. And as of yesterday, his agent asked the Texans to release him. But uh, with the recent rumors that have been going around, obviously Indianapolis and his relationship with Chuck Pagano, I, I think that's kind of slowed some things down a little bit. So. We'll we'll see what happens in the next day, but it, it's just a matter of time now. You know, I mentioned Pat the uh, the 2014 season. Obviously, DeAndre Hopkins really coming into his own. Uh, he's a guy I loved coming out of the draft and and wanted to see somebody like Indianapolis pick him up, but uh, really liked to see what he did last year. Now, but when you look at Johnson and his numbers declining, was was this a case of of just him and his aging? Is it you know the quarterback situation? Is it Hopkins you know really growing into and taking some of those targets? Is it com- is it a combination or, or how much more does Johnson really have left? We'll start from the beginning. I think a lot of the misconceived notion is that DeAndre Hopkins was, you know, the number one guy. Andre Johnson had more targets than than anybody on the team again for however, you know, for the however many seasons a row and again. But the big thing is that DeAndre Hopkins just has a little bit bigger playability, you know, coverages, you know, against the Colts. It was one-on-one with Andre on the outside. He just doesn't have that burst. And, and what you want as a wide receiver. Now, I will say this. Do I think Andre Johnson's done? I, I don't think he is. Um, you know, he did miss one and a half games. You know, he, he missed a half against Jacksonville after a concussion. He missed the game against the Colts in Indianapolis, which ultimately ended the Texan season. Uh, so I think there's a lot of underlying issues there. Uh, you know, he was cleared from what was understood, uh, and he didn't play. But once again, you're not going to push a player to play you know, with a concussion until they're ready. But, you know, Andre Johnson, you know, he was, you know, I'm not off the top of my head. He, you know, he was pretty close to a thousand yard season. I, I think Andre Johnson has plenty left in the tank, maybe a two or three year, year, um, sh- 
shelf life left. But I, the one thing that I do give credit Andre for, he's re every year he's kind of you know evolved as a wide receiver. He understands that he's not as fast and you know Father Time is there, but he's changed his ability to play. Uh, you know, he's a big possession receiver. He can he can you know when he wants just because of his football IQ, he's still a good route runner and still can get open. But, you know, the speed is zapped a little bit. He doesn't have that burst. Uh, you know, in week 17 to end the season against the Jaguars, he came out and had his best game of the season, which raised a lot of questions, especially for me saying, where's this been all year? But I think kind of that plays into Case Keenum. Uh, he has a relationship with Case Keenum, and he knows that he's going to get the ball with Case. And so I think that was a little bit of issue. And that goes back to what DeAndre Hopkins, he was there during OTAs offseason and everything else. And – you know, he, he, he developed that relationship with Ryan Fitzpatrick. So I think that there was just a lot of, you know, a lot of underlying issues that really weren't seen and ultimately ended up having Johnson ushered out into a new team. And, you know, it had to happen. Unfortunately, it's terrible that it had to happen like this. But, you know, I don't think he's done. And I think that you'll probably see a thousand yard wide receiver somewhere not in Houston next year. Yeah, last year, 85 catches, 936 yards was the final. Obviously, the, like you said, that big playability, you know, the the lack of it anymore shows he only averaged like 11 yards a catch. Um, but he's still, I mean, he's still 6'3", he's still 230. Uh, he's still, you know, he's still a, a veteran wide receiver, very smart, good, runs good routes. Uh, when you look at, at Johnson and you look at the, the void that Reggie Wayne is going to fill in Indianapolis, which is really that kind of that veteran possession wide receiver role is, is that a role that that Johnson still can come in and play at a high level as in you know being maybe not a number one receiver but uh, maybe one a or two to T.Y. Hilton um, is that a role that he can come in and play in a place like Indianapolis pretty easily you think well I think the one thing that has to happen with Andre is that he has to understand his role uh, I don't think he really agreed with his role in Houston which caused some cause some issues, but I think now, uh, since his time's up, I think that he knows that wherever he ends up, if he does end up in Indianapolis, that he knows that it's going to be about T.Y. Hilton. Uh, you know, I don't know what the, the future is with Reggie Wayne, but, you know, you guys guys have a guy like Moncrief who needs to keep growing as a player, but then you got to start getting into that, that thing, you know, um, is Andre going to be okay with limited snaps? Is he going to be okay being the the third option, second option, or however they feel about it. But, you know, no matter what happens next year, he's going to play play with probably a quarterback that's better than anything he's ever played with before here in Houston. <laughs> and, and that's the unfortunate part um, because Andre now has the choice to do what he has to. And, that, and that's what it needs to be. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's a tough deal, but it is what it is. And, and that's how it's going to go. And, you know, does Houston want to see him in a Colts uniform? No, but it's to that point now where it, it's really nothing they can do about it. And just going to have to figure out what, what, where they go from here. No, yeah, for Johnson, I mean, the thing about Johnson for me, Pat, as, as a Colts fan, having watched him, you know, for like you said, for the last 12 years, he's he's just had such consistent production. I mean, and, and for 12 years with, with like you said, I really – nothing at quarterback outside of, you know, a couple of years where Matt Schaub decided to, to play out of his mind. 
Um, you know, so for him to, to maybe go to somewhere, maybe not Indianapolis, but really anywhere that's an upgrade at quarterback, it's going to be interesting to see what kind of production he can put up at, at his age. He's, he's 33 now, um, going to be turning 34. And that's a tough place to be for a wide receiver. Uh, a few other questions about some pending free agents, Pat. You, you mentioned Chris Myers. Uh, how much, you know, Chris Myers, another aging guy. You know, how much does he have left, and uh, is he going to be, is he going to be kind of limited to to more zone schemes, or, or is he kind of versatile in what he can do? Well, I think he's scheme limited. He's definitely a a zone player. Uh, Bill O'Brien made it pretty clear when he came in here. You know, they want to be a. The Texans now under Bill O'Brien want to be able to to change as they go. They just don't want to be a zone blocking team. They want to be able to run the power game and, and things like that. You know, I, I, a few things that stick out in my mind, uh, you know, Ricky, what Francois and one that mm-hmm. one of the guys, I remember him just doing what he wanted to with Chris Myers and, and uh, the Chapman guy, right. And that the nose yep. tackle uh, for the Colts. I mean, both those guys had field days with, with Myers and it's just because they're bigger and stronger. Um, and, and, that's one of the main issues. And with a cap number, uh, they cut them out a year early instead of a year late, which, which is a positive when, when you look at this thing, but it was time him to, uh, you know, his production versus his cap number. You guys know as well as we do when it starts getting up there and it starts getting the players that, that are not worth their, their value. It's just time to move on. And, and they'll recover from this too. Chris Myers, you know, uh, today I, I think the Raiders already have interest in him, but th- they'll probably have interest in everybody. But, uh, you know, Chris Myers is another one that, that Texan, that's a hard one for Texans fans to swallow. You know, he started 128 games, uh, you know, as a center, which is tops in the NFL. He's like at 153 consecutive games played, which is tops in the NFL for an offensive lineman. So he's been a constant of durability. And uh, I think they said, a, you know, he's, you know, he's just been everything, you know, he's, he's huge in the Houston community. Um, he was always great with the media, never, never shied away, stood up to everything. So they, they lost a big one in another locker room guy. I think he's probably one of the, you know, more vocal leaders on the team and it's tough. It's tough for this team to understand, but he's a scheme scheme fit. He will, you know, he'll be fine. He'll, He'll find a team, you know, obviously Denver pops out because of, you know, his ties to Kubiak the Atlanta Falcons because of Kyle Shanahan, uh, he'll end up somewhere and he'll be starting just like he was this past season. A uh, big guy for me is Kareem Jackson. Uh, he's been easily the Texans top cornerback the last couple of years. And uh, I, I really like his versatility, his ability to play into the slot and outside as well. Um, I, I don't think he's going to be a guy that the Colts probably go after, but that's more so because I, I, don't really agree with a lot of the Colts free agent <laughs> tendencies, but uh, when you look at, at Kareem Jackson, uh, is he a guy that the Texans are are trying to lock up, or is he going to hit the open market here? I, I think that it's kind of uh, it's all been pretty quiet, but with the moves the Texans have made, you know, they started off the free agency period with like nine million dollars in cap room, and by the release of Myers and and the um, you know, the pending transaction of Andre Johnson, whatever happens there, they'll be pushed up to about 27 million. And so the, the consensus of a bunch of the people I've talked to and, and uh, people I trust is that they're, they're getting positioned to, to re-sign some of their key guys and, and Kareem Jackson is one of them. But we also feel that, you know, if Kareem Jackson is 
going to be brought back. We've got a feeling that it's going to be swapped out with Jonathan Joseph to get younger at the position. Um, Jonathan Joseph has a huge cap number. Not saying that he's not a good player, but it's to the point again, too, where, you know, you know, Jonathan Joseph cap savings will be instantly moved over to John, uh, to Kareem Jackson's uh, uh, pocketbook. So it, it's all working in pieces. But you know, Kareem Jackson has been been one of the best stories in Houston in a long time. As a rookie, he had no clue how to play the game. Uh, sophomore year in 2011, the first playoff year for the Texans, they brought in Jason Allen, who's no longer playing in the NFL. He helped, you know, him and Jonathan Joseph helped Kareem grow. And he's turned into a complete player. They had him play in the slot this year because of, you know, just numbers game and things like that, which he really didn't succeed very well at, obviously, in Houston when uh, T.Y. Hilton does what he does in Houston. But when you look at it, he can tackle, he can cover. He was outstanding on the outside when he had the chances. Uh, he was tied for the team lead in interception. So, He's everything that you want in a corner. He's a, he's actually grown into a very good leader for the group, and he's a veteran now. And, and to get younger and to keep him, he's still at the right age. It's just a matter of time. Uh, hopefully the Texans can lock him back up. No, the last big topic for me, Pat, uh, Namakung Sue has been linked to the Colts a lot over the last uh, couple of weeks, and simply because he's the, you know, the top defensive free agent on the market and the Colts have a ton of cap space and they got run over in the conference championship. So those links are going to be made. Um, when we look at Sue potentially coming to Indianapolis, uh, two things kind of stick out for me that, that I'd like to ask you about. First off, uh, if a guy like Sue did come to Indianapolis, what kind of, I mean, as a, as a covering, covering a team, another team in the division, what kind of impact does that, kind of immediately make on the division as a whole? Well, I, first of all, I, I don't want Sue in Indianapolis. We'll just call it like that. <laughs> You're my guy and everything, but you know, you don't want guys like that on the other team, you know, yep. but you know, he, he's a difference maker and, 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 you know, he, he, he'll, you know, we saw what he did to Matt Schaub. To me, I think he ended Matt Schaub's career in, a Thanksgiving game a couple of years ago by kicking him in the, that's just who he is. And that's how he plays. And, <laughs> you know, if he's on your team, you love him. If he's not, you know, I, I respect his game. I think he's a very good football player. You know, to me that that's just another piece that the, that the Colts have. And, and if they can get him, you know, it, it would cause concern for, for the Texans and, and the Jaguars and, and the Titans, because it's just another big time player that's coming on board. And, you know, whenever a team can upgrade, uh, you know, if the Colts could get him, you know, it's definitely going to put the rest of not only the AFC South on notice, but, you know, the, the complete NFL, because that's just another big fish that, that you can add to that. And like you said, you know, you, you got the, the Colts made some moves, you know, they let go of Ricky Jean, Ricky Jean or however you want to say his name, but they let him go, which tells you that they're definitely in the market for something else. So, you know, he's definitely going to be a difference maker. And, 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 that's a, and that's a huge concern for, for the Texans who are still trying to find an identity. And, and, you know, with the way things are going in Indianapolis, the way Andrew Luck is just one of the best quarterbacks in the league right now, it, it's tough. It's, it's tough to swallow to, as a Texans fan to see Andrew Luck and the Colts and, you know, T.Y. Hilton constantly come through and, and beat the Texans. That, that, that's tough to handle. And 
adding a guy like Sue will just widen that gap in my opinion right now. You know, Pat, I didn't, I didn't want JJ Watt to resign in Houston either. You know, we just, we got to deal with these things, I guess. Uh, speaking of which, <laughs> if, if Sue does come to Indianapolis, he, he was obviously was a tackle in Detroit in their four, three, but if he, he was, if he was going to come to Indianapolis or another three, four team, he'd like to be playing uh, an end rule, probably something similar to what we've seen Houston do with JJ Watt. Now, I don't know if Sue can really play that same role because obviously he's not JJ Watt. Uh, and I think he's not quite as, not quite as athletic in terms of an agility standpoint as Watt is, but uh, can you can you just go through a little bit of of what Watt's role is on the defensive line for the Texas for from a scheme perspective, so we can just kind of get a, a little bit of an idea. Well, I've been fortunate enough to be covering the Texans since he arrived, and and to see um, his maturation, what he's done, it's. There's no words for it. I know covering them, you know, live and in the press box, there's just sometimes you got to just sit what just happened because that's kind of what he does. He just, he makes things happen. Um, you know, I, I'll give you a firm example. Kendrick Lewis, who's a free agent now, he's the Texans starting free safety last year. You know, I talked to him about the, the difference that Watt creates when he's on the field. And Kendrick Lewis said something that kind of opened my eyes to realize how big an impact he has. You know, he says, by where J.J. Watt lines up, they can figure out where teams are going to try to attack them, which gives them a jump. And that's a huge, huge compliment to what J.J. Watt does. Uh, Ryan Pickett, who's been in the league for 14, 15 years, said he's the best defensive lineman he's ever played with. He's the best defender he's ever played with. And that's coming from a guy that's, you know, won a Super Bowl with Green Bay and has played, you know, on some good teams in St. Louis also. And, and, and that that's a huge compliment. I mean, J.J.'s ability to, A, you know, he has pretty much free reign to move where he wants to on passing downs. That's just how it works. And, you know, once he finds a, once he finds a weak link, he's on. He, he's going to turn it on to another level. And, and to see him work, to see him play the way he does, I, it's really hard to – to describe what you're seeing. I mean, you guys have a great one. And, and I, you know, you guys talked about it, Andrew Luck, you know, I'm amazed when I see him in person with what he's able to do with the football. This is just the defensive version of, of probably the best player in the NFL. And that's not, not overstating what he is, but his no, ability no, no, to no. play the five technique as a three, four end at 290, 290 plus, to see him run the way he does, able to flip out at a defensive end, you know, and then he adds in the pass catching ability and everything else. I mean, we knew he was a good athlete. You know, he was a tight end in college for a little bit. So, I mean, he can do it all. And, you know, his teammates for the most part, you know, you know, from what we can tell, really enjoy playing next to him. You know, as hokey as it sounds, everything that you see him do, that's him. You know, he's lifting three times a day. Uh, He's constantly working, even though the log cabin thing's a little much, you know, he did say he bought a log <laughs> cabin, but it, it's a 4,000 square foot log cabin with, uh, with, uh, I, I think four bedrooms and two and a half baths. I don't know what log cabins have that, but when you're a hundred million dollar man and play the way he does, you're allowed to do things like that. But he's unbelievable. And, and to think that he feels that he still hasn't reached, reached his potential is kind of scary. It is. And that's, I mean, that's the thing is I think for, for Colts fans, 
a watching JJ Watt come into come into town once a year and and having to go there and face him once a year is is terrifying, uh, especially when you've got a guy like Andrew Luck that the franchise is riding on, and uh, JJ Watt presents a huge threat to him on any given down. Um, but when you look at the impact that Watt's able to have, and then you see a guy like Sue who's going to be signed for, I mean, who the the Tampa GM predicted 125 million and 70 million guaranteed. I mean, that is, you want to have, if you're going to give somebody that kind of money, you want them to have not JJ Watt impact. Cause I don't think anybody can, but you know, something similar. And I'm just, I'm not sure that he can have that, but uh, obviously a guy like Watt presents a, a bit of a, a blueprint. If you're going to move a big athletic guy like that to end in a three, four scheme, uh, we'll see yeah, if it is able to work out. Yeah, and that's one of the big things too. You know, you hear these numbers about Sue, and I and I and I hate talking about Watt at times because I don't ever want to seem like, well, he's the greatest thing since sliced cheese, but he's pretty darn close. And for <laughs> Sue to be commanding that type of money makes JJ Watt's contract look look even crazier because I think Watt's cap hit next year is like sixteen, seventeen million. And there's no, I mean, they're, they're going to play it out and they have enough cap room to eat that up this year. After that, his cap numbers, no higher than 12 million here on out. Wow. So he has a really well-structured contract. The Texans did a really good job. I'm not saying that JJ took a hometown discount because he's going to get the entire life of that hundred million dollars. You know, the franchise is now his with Andre Johnson leaving and, and um, you know, you know, if they can get him some help, if Jadavian can get healthy, if things like that can fall to, through, there's a lot to happen. But they've got to find J.J. Watt more help to, to maximize his potential because, honestly, this defense is built around J.J. Watt, allowing him to do what he wants, and, and, and that's the key. But, you know, it makes me feel fortunate that if, if a team like the Colts are going to sign Sue, I'm very happy to know that, you know, over half your – you know, o- almost a quarter or more of your cap space is taken up in two players. And, and, and that's kind of <laughs> tough at times. It is. And that's, uh, that's what worries me a little bit. But at the same time, you know, like you said, you get a guy like that and uh, it definitely puts people on notice. But uh, yeah, the cap is always, always the tricky part. Uh, Pat, really appreciate you coming on uh, tonight, today, and we'll look forward to, to having you on again, maybe later uh, in the 2015 season as uh, those Colts-Texans matchups come up. But uh, again, you can find Pat on Twitter uh, at P-A-T-D-S-T-A-T, right? Am I saying that right? Pat D-Stat. Pat D-Stat. Uh, and the blog, uh, the State of the Texans blog, is Houston, it's the huhou.scout.com. Uh, if you if you follow uh, Philby Wilson and his Colts blog, it's the same network. So find him there. They do a great job. Uh, Pat, again, love having you on, buddy. Kyle, I appreciate it as usual, man. Hey, have a good one, man. You too. All right. That was Pat uh, Star from state of the Texans. He, like I said, does a fantastic job covering the Texans. Uh, one of the best. And, uh, he's, he's been a good friend of the blog for, for a few years now. So love having him on, uh, and, I, and some insightful things to say really uh, about the, the state of some of those free agents. Andre Johnson doesn't sound like Chris Myers would be a very good addition for the Colts at this point, which isn't, isn't it really unexpected. And I don't know if I really see the Colts going after free agent center in this market anyway, but, uh, 
I, I think, you know, with Khalil Holmes coming on at the end of last year, uh, Jonathan Harrison obviously still has potential. I think they're probably married to those two in terms of being the future. If they do go a free agent offensive lineman in terms of a starter, I, I'd probably be more expecting to see see a guard. Uh, obviously, Ayupati's on the on the market. Orlando Franklin is on the market. A couple of top-end guards that they could be looking at. But, uh, yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anything else we need to hit before uh, we take off for today. Those Again, we were just trying to look at these these free agent rumors. Uh, I, actually, I think there were a few more that we didn't get to before Pat came in. So let me go through a few of those other rumors that we saw with the Colts. Uh, we mentioned Hardy, we mentioned Sue, we mentioned Marshall and Andre Johnson. Uh, anybody else that I am missing here? All right. Uh, I think those are the big guys that have been linked to the Colts. Oh, DeMarco Murray uh, and Adrian Peterson, a couple of running backs that the Colts have also been linked to. Adrian Peterson's father said that he had heard some rumors that the Colts were potential trade uh, candidates for Adrian Peterson and the Vikings. Uh, and then we've heard reports over the last couple of days that DeMarco Murray could be uh, a target for the Colts. Colts could be a big landing spot for him. I don't know that I really like either of those moves. For me, I don't don't want to see the Colts paying any running back more than like three or four million at the max per year uh, as a veteran uh, I'd really like to see them get a veteran running back in the free agent market, kind of like a one or two year deal, have them come in and, and help groom Boom Heron and a, a drafted running back. I think this draft is really deep at running back and to not take one. It's kind of like wide receiver was last year, where if, if you don't take one of these running backs, I, I think you're going to be missing out on some talent. And I, for the Colts who really need that long term piece. I think that's the most kind of ideal situation would be to look at, at running back uh, kind of pair of, of that short term contract with a veteran. I, I think a guy like Gore makes a lot of sense if he's if he's going to be taking a, a smaller deal because of his age. And uh, then you you draft a guy you know, it's kind of second to fourth rounds. There's a lot of talent there uh, that the Colts can get some long term pieces. So for the in terms of a free agent market there. Uh, what Adrian Peterson and Mark Murray both just probably going to cost a lot of money. Uh, Murray turned down, I think, four million per year from Dallas, so he's going to be looking probably for five or six uh, if he can get it. If not, if he can't get it, he'll probably be back in in Dallas. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. Um, but uh, the Colts obviously have, like I said, have all that cap space to to spend, and they're going to spend it. Uh, I I think there could be some really smart moves they can make with their own free agents to kind of extend those and get some of that that front loaded so they have more flexibility later on. Uh, for example, I mean, you take you take Andrew Luck's contract that's going to be probably $25 million a year for the next seven years. Uh, you take that and you, you, know, you, you front load that a little bit and you knock his cap number down for the next you know, six years. Uh, maybe maybe give them a really high cap number for 2015, 2016, or something like that. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of flexibility there. Or you you even extend Anthony Costanza now, and you front load that a little bit, or T.Y. Hilton. Um, but the big thing when you're looking at these big money free agents that you have to remember, the Colts had roughly 20 players leave in free agency this year. 20 players. And that's a big chunk that you have to replace. Um, the Colts have to fill all these holes with players. And, and that means you can look at it and you can say, okay, well, they've got $50 million in cap space if they release Trent Richardson and Donald Thomas and say, okay, well, that's plenty of money to, to sign Sue and to sign 
a couple of big name guys. And, and it's true. It is. And it doesn't necessarily put you in, in, in cap hell right away, but it does severely limit your flexibility long-term. And the other thing is it does is it means that, okay, you sign, let's say three big money guys in free agency. And that takes up 85% of your cap space. Well, then you're looking at signing 17 guys, including, you know, your rookies, obviously, uh, yeah, at least your your drafted rookies. I'm not really counting undrafted rookies because you can't necessarily count on them to make the roster. But uh, you're looking at needing to sign 15 guys with 15% of that cap space or something like that. I mean, that's that gives you a lot less quality uh, for you know for that money. And I, and I think that's the thing was with Sue. If you can get, you know, if you can get 80% of of the playmaking for you know 20% of the money. Uh, I think you have to you have to pull that trigger rather than than giving up giving up the farm for for a guy like Sue or or even a guy like Greg Hardy who again isn't isn't necessarily a, a scheme fit. Obviously has some off-field issues. Um, and if you're going to pay him a, a huge contract to come in and and try and be an edge rusher right away, you know, that's going to be have a transition on it and you're then you're you're also kind of blocking the development of a guy like Jonathan Newsom and, and the reclamation project that is Bjorn Werner. Uh, but we'll, we'll see what happens next week. Greg and I will be having a live podcast uh, on the 10th on that Tuesday. Is it a Tuesday? Yeah, it's a Tuesday. Uh, on Tuesday for free agency, like we did uh, last season. So that'll be fun. Uh, that's at 4 p.m. Eastern time. That's when we'll be back. Uh, really looking forward to that. And if you want to call in uh, that day, you can do that as well. We'll be taking calls and and really just all joining in what is likely going to be either a super exciting or just really depressing day. One of the two. There's really no in between. Uh, so remember to join us then March 10th, Tuesday. Uh, you can call in at this number 619-996-1632 on Tuesday. Uh, join us here. Block Talk Radio and Colts Authority Radio. We'll have it up, the link up on coltsauthority.com as well as on Twitter. And uh, you can also find us afterwards, obviously, on any podcast service that you use. So really appreciate anybody who's listening today. I really appreciate, again, thanks to Pat for coming on. And uh, we will see you next week.